Hello, I'm Terrence McNally. Welcome to Free Forum, a world that just might work. I'll be speaking today with Bob Fulkerson. He's lead national organizer for Third Act, the year-old organization founded by Bill McKibben, and to mobilize boomers to pull their weight defending democracy and confronting the climate crisis. And you can learn more at thirdact, one word, dot O-R-G. On Freeform, we explore the lives, the work, the ideas of individuals that I suspect have pieces of the puzzle of a world that just might work. We look at politics, economics, environment, science, health, culture, all based on the fact that I believe we can do better, and I want to find out how. The show streams weekly on the Progressive Voices Network on TuneIn.com, and podcasts are available anytime, anywhere on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, most major podcast sites, and at my site, TerrenceMcNally.net, T E R. E-N-C-E-M-C-N-A-L-L-Y dot net. As anyone who listens to this show already knows, I see a number of serious crises staring us in the face. Some global, some primarily in the U.S. Pandemics, public health and health care. Gross and growing inequality in wealth and power. Broken democracy and minority rule. Systemic racism, tribalism, and othering. Our destructive relationship with the rest of nature and the climate crisis, with climate being probably the most existential. You also know I've been talking for a few years about something I call 60s 2.0, a short and simple way to signal what I was noticing about young people and boomers. I see in millennials and younger questions, values, visions that echo the best of the 60s. But I believe they have a chance to build something deeper and more sustainable this time with the help of technology, demographics, and some cultural and social evolution. Technology makes it easier to interact with diverse others unbound by geography, to organize rapidly and efficiently, and to reduce material consumption in our daily lives. And this is notwithstanding the unique challenge of surveillance capitalism as practiced by big tech, where service is free and we are the product, and where we are manipulated at the level of neurotransmitters below our conscious ability to either detect or deter. An example of technology's value, where it took at least four months to organize the Vietnam moratorium, it took only hours to pull together the airport demonstrations in response to Trump's Muslim ban in 2017. Young people today, this is the second point, young people today draw on a greatly expanded talent pool. Leadership in the 60s was dominated by males, and except for race-defined organizations, overwhelmingly white. Today, we tap the genius and energy, not only of women, but of so many others whose voices were not heard at that time. The Chicago 8, for example, included one black and no women. Look at TV commercials today, especially those aimed at young people, Diversity reigns, and it's driven by the bottom line. Finally, there were maybe a hundred beatniks in San Francisco and a hundred in Greenwich Village, but we felt we were on our own. Today, millions of my generation and older support young people, if only from the sidelines or at their keyboards, to truly bring our numbers, resources, and power to their movements could be game-changing. Boomers are older, wiser, and richer, some of us anyway, with time to get involved, 
It's an opportunity for us to make good on our early promise. When I organized an intergenerational dialogue for a symposium at my Harvard 50th reunion in 2019 between members of our class and current undergraduate activists and millennials, between current undergraduate activists and millennials involved in social impact, both sides seem receptive to the shared values, the threads of continuity, and the potential for partnership. When I told one young activist that I felt we in the 60s had failed, he corrected me. You were just 50 years ahead of your time, he told me. You didn't have the technology. A lot has gone well and a lot has gone terribly wrong in those 50 years. But here's my vision. An energized, engaged, and effective, intentionally multi-generational alliance to take on the biggest challenges confronting us, making us able to tip things in the right direction in time. By the way, just as I began to seriously shape these ideas, I started reading about OK Boomer. My first reaction was that it was a direct rejection of the notion that we could do something together, that the failures of our generation and the likely consequences of those failures would disqualify us from being accepted as true partners. But I came to see how the epithet actually creates an opening for a realistic assessment of what we have to offer each other. My vision of 60s 2.0, Boomers, aligned with millennials and younger, supporting each other with strategy, communications, organizing, street actions, funding, and so on, to achieve our shared goals. If the challenges we confront are big enough to divide us, then they must be big enough to bring us together. Well, while I was writing and talking about these things, others were intent on making them a reality, which brings me to today's conversation with Bob Fulkerson, as I said, lead national organizer for Third Act, a new organization with the intention of growing into a movement. In September 2021, Bill McKibben quit his New Yorker climate column to throw himself into organizing and mobilizing, specifically baby boomers and members of the silent generation. To do so, he founded Third Act, dedicated to building a community of Americans over the age of 60, determined to change the world for the better. I'm going to read briefly from their website. This is at thirdact.org. Experienced Americans are the fastest growing part of the population. 10,000 people a day past the 60-year mark. That means there's no way to make the changes that must be made to protect our planet and society unless we bring our power into play. As a generation, we have unprecedented skills and resources that we can bring to bear. Washington and Wall Street have to listen when we speak because we vote and because we have a large, maybe an overlarge, share of the country's assets. And many of us have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, and we have, in other words, very real reasons to worry and to work. Together, we will use our life experience, skills, and resources to build a better tomorrow. As I've said, Bob Fulkerson is the national, lead national organizer for Third Act. After serving as executive director of Citizen Alert, Nevada's first statewide watchdog organization, Bob co-founded the Progressive Leadership Alliance of Nevada, where he was executive director for 25 years. Over his long and dedicated career in Nevada, he and his organizations can count a number of significant achievements. Welcome, Bob Fulkerson, to Free Forum, A World That Just Might Work. Thank you so much, Terrence. Great to be here. 
Let me tell listeners we're recording this conversation Wednesday, February 22nd. Now, I like listeners to get a feel for the people behind the work and ideas we talk about. We have an hour, so there's time to do that. So let us know a bit about yourself, about your path. I hit some highlights, but what is your path? How do you see it to the work that you do today? You can go way back, mentors, turning points, moments of decision, that sort of thing. Sure. I mean, basically, I'm, I, um, you know, am here in Reno, Nevada, Wasso, Paiute, Western Shoshone country. I've been here. My family's been here for five generations. My dad was in the, you know, was in Vietnam. Uh, when, when he was there, my mom hung a sign out from our window in Northwest Reno that said, give peace a chance. And that was in fourth grade. I think it was 67. And uh, um, our teacher, our fourth grade teacher, we had the weekly reader and she uh, was going around. We were talking about the war and uh, she said, uh, and the weekly reader said silent majority or protest. And she said, we're part of the silent majority. And another student in the class said uh, there was somebody had a sign up that said, give peace a chance. They're part of protest. And I kind of cowered in the back of the room, you know, embarrassed, like that was my mom and, you know, my dad's over there. And I just was all confused by the whole darn thing. And um, so that was just my entree, entree. So I, you know, I am a boomer, but was, you know, a young boomer. And uh, that was my entree into like how somebody like my mom could make a, a statement and, you know, how a teacher could point out something, um, you know, and, 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 and silence a student like that. How, how, what grade was that again? That was in the fourth grade. Okay. okay. And, and so, you know, growing up in the military, we we're really, cons- you know, fairly conservative. We had to get out in Fort Lewis, Washington, 1971, when taps was played, we'd have to get out of the car and literally salute the flag as it taps was being played and it ran down the flagpole. I mean, some pretty, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, but then my dad got back from Vietnam in 71 and he resigned his commission because he turned against the war. And he, you know, I saw him cry uh, on, on a number of occasions. When, and, and, and when Bush invaded Iraq, he became an anti-war activist. And we were on, you know, spoke at many of the protests that we did in the legislature in Carson City, where he slept inside a cardboard box to demonstrate that, um, you know, the preponderance of homeless in, in, in Reno were veterans. And, uh, uh, and, and and then he also bailed me out of jail when I would get arrested on military bombing ranges and said that the most patriotic thing you can do is make the military follow the, the, the gosh darn law. But he used the real expletives, you know. So <laughs> I, I was raised right. Wow. That's that. I mean, that's that's an interesting background as 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 we uh established before we got on the air there's about 10 years difference or so between us and so i was in those protests uh when you were in that fourth grade um thank you terrence (laughs) i want to thank you and everybody else that was in those protests because you helped bring my dad home that's right um but but to hear you know what it was like to be uh i have i have actually a uh, there's six kids in my family but two of them are uh, 12 and 14 younger than I am. So, so they were basically your peers. And to see what the world looked like sort of from that 
from their perspective is 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 fascinating. And and what you, what I the reason you went to those moments, Bob, I assume, is because you feel that's what led you to the work you've done as an adult. Right. Yeah. That um, there's like this sense of that people can have, a, you know, an influence in what the hell our country's doing, you know, and, uh, you know, they stopped a war. They brought my dad home. So, you know, it was a good, good legacy to build on. And um, your work that I described, how did you get into that? In other words, did you know uh in college, for instance, I'm, I'm going to be an organizer. I somehow doubt it. But um, how did how did that path open up for you? Um, I was going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. I love kids. I love teaching. I love education. And I love Alaska. So <laughs> I was going to go to Alaska and teach. And I was in my uh, 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 I was in graduate school. I was going to go to a school up in the Aleutian Island chain and uh teach school and and um uh you know be in alaska i guess and uh what happened was i was working on the nuclear weapons i'd worked on the nuclear weapons freeze in in 1982 and um became uh you know you know was, was was working a lot on you know volunteering on on that and then the uh Cranston for president campaign called me somehow and said, we got your name from nuclear weapons freeze list. We'd like you to, are you interested in, uh, you know, going to the white house when we win, because, you know, (laughs) we're going to win and you can go to the white house. And I was 23 and I said, hell yes. So put me to work. And so I went to council bluffs, Iowa and, and lived there for six months. Uh, and and, and I quit grad school and I just decided to do that instead. And while I was there, I got a call from the organization that I had volunteered for to do the nuclear weapons freeze work and to fight against the MX missile that I'd been volunteering for. They said their director was leaving. Would I like the job? And I said, well, how much does it pay? And they said it paid $12,000 a year, but we don't have health insurance. And I said, that's a hell of a lot of money. I'm going to take it. And But they said, well, we have to interview you first. So, you know, I, I did the interview and... And they hired me. And, wow. And um, how old are you at that point? You're 22, 23? I was 23. Yeah. Wow. And I, oh, let me a, share, by the way, one <laughs> one parallel in our lives. In 1972, at the age of 24, um, I uh, went to work for the McGovern campaign and ended up on the national staff of the McGovern campaign. So 10 years later or whatever, you're doing the same thing for Cranston. You know, but before that, I, I had worked, I was Republican, you know, growing up in the Army, I had to come and register to vote when I was 18. Oh. So I registered Republican, I went to school in Washington, D.C. And I worked for Ronald Reagan, I worked for Paul Laxalt, and then I volunteered for the Reagan for President campaign in 1980. So I mean, you spent wow. your youth doing good stuff. I spent my youth doing some not so good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has to do with where we grow up and things like that. But you've changed, you've changed, or you've helped, you've contributed to change the area you grew up in. Yeah, yeah. This area that I've grown up in has changed significantly. Thank God for Californians for immigrants, you know, because otherwise, <laughs> Washoe County here in Nevada, it's an inbred, you know, yeah, we, we need these outsiders, boy. Well, we're, we're, we're certainly supplying plenty of them. I, I, I hear a lot of them are going to Texas. They've got a, a, a long road to travel there to change things. Oh, boy, I'll see. 
so you, you, you became director of this organizing organization. Did you, did you have any, because I know you're now in the organizing role in third act. Did you have any, what, or, or what were your trainings in organizing? Was it just learning on the job or Heather Booth's Midwest Academy or you, you get where I'm going. Where does one. Sure. No, it's really, I mean, back then, so this was 1984 and you know, there was no internet, there were no cell phones. There was, um, I inherited a membership list of about 140 people and they were on index cards, three by five <laughs> index cards in a hot chocolate box. Of course and, they um, were. Yeah. And like, you know, this person donated $25 in March of, you know, yeah. 1980, you know, kind of thing. And then all their little uh, written down on the back of that card. And, uh, um, and it was a lot in the, you know, on the job training, but then, yeah. So I was hired in March of 84 in June of 84, I got invited to go to Boise, Idaho for a Midwest Academy training at the University of Idaho. And I went there and it was Jackie Kendall and Steve Max who were Heather with Heather Booth were, were at the Midwest Academy. And we learned about strategy and about targeting, about base building and about developing leaders. We watched a movie God, what was that old movie with Will Gear in it um, uh, about the mining town in, in New Mexico that has all of the intersectionality in there of immigration, of domestic violence, of women's liberation, of, of worker rights. Um, what the, it was blacklisted. Anyway, we, I can't remember. We watched yeah, that I can't movie remember it really either. Yeah. Really made an impact on me. And, uh, uh, and then... I had mentors here in Nevada, like Maya Miller. Maya was the incubator for all of the anything progressive that happened to Nevada happened because of Maya Miller. And she was a philanthropist and she was a women's rights activist. And she had a, a, a ranch, quote unquote, out here in northern Nevada. And that was the place where activists, organizers, people kind of on the outside could go and talk to each other and learn about what other people like in, 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 in other parts of the state were trying to do in order to wrestle it away from those that just wanted to use it as their own personal cash register. Sure. And, uh, and Maya was, yeah, so she, I, I was lucky to have a great mentor like her. And then there was a bunch of um, folks in the, in the Bay Area, I mean, you know, doing all of our anti-nuclear weapons work and everything and, and anti-nuclear weapons testing protests and stuff. The center of that was, you know, Livermore Action Group. Sure. It was the uh, uh, things that were in, in San Francisco, the, the Quakers would go to friends meeting house in San Francisco, learn from David Hartso, who was a great Quaker trainer who um, taught about, who taught me about nonviolence. And um, I, and, and, and so I learned a lot from that, the activists in the Bay area. And I continue to still go there for my uh, inspiration. Sure. And it was just there sure. on an art build with David Solman a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact. Very good. Let's, let's shift, let's transition into third act. And I'm going to ask it this way. 
So you've led an organization that fought the federal government on single-issue campaigns. That was one of your organizations. Then you worked on another to change the landscape of one particular state, your home state of Nevada. And you've now taken a lead role with an organization that is created to build a successful national movement. Um, what are some of your thoughts about how you approach this and why you wanted to take on Third Act? Well, I would tell you that um, all of my career, you know, in doing this since 1984 has brought me to this day. And it is, and, and it is the, uh, just the best job I've ever had. <laughs> Being a lead organizer is the best title I've ever had in my, in my life. The, the, I guess the thing that I'm finding remarkable is not only the, um, the it, it's the numbers of people, of elders who have no axe to grind, no prejudices or no hidden agendas other than wanting to go out right and, and, and wanting to make sure that when they leave, you know, they've done all they could uh, to set things right. And so we have people that have written, you know, we have authors like, you know, our, our, our Los Angeles group is run by somebody that wrote a book on, on, on leadership coaching. Um, there's a, uh, you know, and, 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 and people who have been editors for Time Magazine. There's the guy that ran the foreign languages department at, you know, Columbia for 30 years. Uh, just just a huge amounts of people from across the spectrum like that who only want to contribute to third act success. And what a gift. I remember like, in, you know, in the 80s where we'd have to knock on doors to get like, you know, 50 members in four months was a big deal. And, you know, we're getting that many like, all the time in at third act just by like turning on the computer it's um the 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 scale that we're developing here is um uh is 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 remarkable and yeah that sounds that sounds great and and one thing you said there that that, that struck me is you said because they've had their families and their empty nesters now and they've achieved their careers and maybe they've got financial um, security that they're once they turn their attention to positive change there's like uh, no um, no no drag on the engine it's like full speed ahead yeah yeah and the fact that they have time right now that there isn't, uh, this isn't something they have to do between college and law school. It's not something they have to do after they're an exhausting 14 hour day and then come home and take care of all the kids. And then I'm going to work for third act. This is something that, you know, mainly people are retired and they have time. And that is such a treasure chest um, that we can tap into. And let me, let me I, I have a number of ways of looking at this, but one, one thing that I was thinking of in terms of the value of Third Act was our national epidemic of loneliness, um, the need mm -hmm. for people 
perhaps especially seniors, to have a feeling of purpose and meaning and so on. It seems like this also fills a, a sort of a unique need for the people that are getting involved as well. Well, I mean, you nailed it. And the, um, I mean, the level of social isolation and all the research showing that that leads to uh, bad health outcomes. Pre, you know, we die sooner and we get sick faster if we if we're staying at home. And yeah. You know, this epidemic of um, the a lack of friends is also something that's alarming. And that, like, you know, one in seven men don't even have a friend. And that's from one in 20, 40 years ago. And that also leads to, to bad health outcomes. And so these working groups that we're creating by bringing elders with, with common affinities together or in the same regions together, and then they're building their own structures and their own working groups. And so they're, 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 they're connecting socially. And they're also leaning into the talents and the uh, wealth of ideas that they've amassed in that 40, 50 years of, do, of, of, of on the job. Sure, sure. Um, what is, uh, I, I sort of laid it all on uh, Bill McKibben's uh, realization, as he shared with me in that interview uh, back in September 2021, uh, October 2021, and and in in writings uh, that he's done, that he 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 realized that the young people, enough of them, a critical mass, was uh, participating and and making a difference, and that we, boomers, uh, sixty and older, weren't pulling our weight. Um, do you have any other uh, things to add to what I would call third act's origin story? Mm. Um, well, I mean, I can tell you how I got involved, but I'm not sure about all the machinations that Bill had and talking <laughs> to different people and, you know, um, kind of like where the, you know, where the, you know, where the zygote hit the egg or anything yeah. like that. I'm not really... <laughs> I'm not really privy to all that. Okay, okay. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so so I, let me, I'll shift then. Um, I noticed that Akia Winwood, who leads your volunteer <laughs> advisory staff, she was formerly president of Rockwood Leadership Institute for many years. Mm -hmm. And I've interviewed folks from Rockwood in the past. Can you talk a bit about the culture that you hope to create at Third Act and, oh, and, and this question. mix of personal, organizational, social? No, I think that's so, that's a great question. I was, one of the things that attracted me to Third Act was Akaya and was because I, I uh, graduated the, the Rockwood year long, you know, leading from the Inside Out program. And, um, uh, you know, until I went through that Rockwood program in 2007, I was on the path to becoming a burned out, angry uh, organizer that thought uh, it was super important for me to be right and to convince <laughs> you I was right. And if that group was not doing it quite right, it was up to me to hunt them down and to tell them why they were doing it wrong. You know, and at Rockwood, I learned that leadership is an inside job. 
Um, and it's much better to make converts than it is to hunt heretics as oh. an organizer. And uh, and then how do you do that? Well, you got to take a look at within, you know. And um, you know, I realized how much, how pissed off I was all the time. And uh, um, you know, and I and I had some personal demons with alcohol, the alcoholism, and everything to to, to, mm. to face down. And um, what this the Rockwood and uh, culture talks about organizing and movement building as relationship building, mm-hmm. not as a series of steps that we have to take in order to win. Mm-hmm. It's about relationship building first and foremost. And if we don't, if we skip, so it so so it third act. We spend a lot of time on culture setting and relationship building. What draws you to third act? We do one-on-ones, and we encourage our all of our members to do one-on-ones. It's an old Midwest Academy organizing trick. It's like dental floss. If organizations are not doing the one-on-ones, it's they're really it's anyway. So we do that, and we what brings you to third act? What is it about your being? You know, so cl- at, at the end of your life that makes this a special time for you and a more meaningful time. And people have those conversations and get to know each other a lot better and create this, these stronger bonds and relationships with each other. And so then when it comes down to trying to, to planning the actions, to, to planning the, the day-to-day stuff, um, we can do it with a lot more creativity mm. and kindness and kindness because we center kindness in everything we do. And part of that, I think, comes from uh, being old. <laughs> we, yeah, I thought it was like my duty to be a, a pissed off <laughs> activist. That's kind. right. You want if, me to be kind? That's you, for the that's for the bourgeoisie. Right, right. Isn't <laughs> you know, there that thing? If you're not angry, you're not paying attention, right? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And you know, absolutely, I still lean into anger, and that's really important. But I think part of our thing about getting older is kind of, kind of, kind of let that go. We don't have to lead with that anymore, and that's really liberating and freeing and opens up but so then what do you lean into well kindness and we have to center that and i wasn't too down on this kindness thing because there's people i don't like and i don't think i should be kind to them and then bill said i heard him say once uh in a world where everybody is so mean to each other being kind is mildly subversive i love that that worked for me yeah (laughs) Oh, so now he put, yeah, he, he dressed it up in something you could wear. Uh, let, me tell, <laughs> let me tell people, this is Free Forum, a world that just might work. I'm Terrence McNally. I'm speaking with Bob Fulkerson, lead national organizer for Third Act, the year-old organization founded by Bill McKibben to mobilize boomers to defend democracy and confront the climate crisis. And you can learn more at thirdactoneword.org. Very good. Let me ask... Um, how do you see Third Act's goals? Because it, it sounds, and I'm, let me throw in a little here. It sounds to me like part of the goal, otherwise one wouldn't spend as much time on culture as you've just indicated, is actually to fill a need in the people who 
are involved, uh, which is which is great. But in terms of five years from now, if we say third act is being successful, what will that be? And one of the questions I have there, and it's one of the ones that I asked Bill uh, when I first encountered third act, is how much beyond climate? Because as, as I said in my intro, I see about five or six really critical crises that we face. So, so um, what's, what's, what are the goals and how do they stretch beyond climate? Well, you know, the, um, uh, I mean, the goal is to mobilize our demographic to get out of our comfort zones. You know, a lot of us, you know, been home and, and, and back out into the streets, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if we, uh, but, but also knowing like my mom isn't going to go back out into the streets, but there is still a role for her to play, you know, at third act. So how can we get everybody that wants to get involved and, 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 and let them know that they still have a job to do no matter if they're, you know, if they can leave their home or not. Mm -hmm. One of the goals is to retain the people who come to third act you know, we've hooked them, mm. but how do we land them? How do we keep them there? So, you know, at the end of five years, it's going to be really important that we have seen our leaders continue to, to engage with Third Act and not leave and not go somewhere else, and that we've built uh, a, a, a much stronger base. I don't know if we're going to win the climate finance battle in, in, in five years or not. Um, but that is certainly a goal as well. You so know? in other um, words, it, I, I see that actions that have already taken place in the first year and the upcoming action, which uh, the day of action on 321-23 is focused on finance. Um, Bill, uh, was either the founder or one of the founders of 350.org, people probably know, a which I don't think it was intentionally a youth organization, but it was certainly uh, dominated by younger people, partly because one of its main strategies was uh, college university divestment. Um, but it, uh, 350, uh, used divestment of... Uh, university pensions and university endowments and so on um, to get them to divest from the fossil fuel industry. And it was a, a really uh, excellent organizing tool. And one by one, they, they succeeded with a lot of the big institutions in America. And now I see Third Act is again sort of tweaking that, but going with that same thing. Talk about that, about the role of finance and disinvestment and those sorts of things in, in Third Act and in uh, the climate battle. Sure. So, I mean, in order to, like, affect the big, big changes that we need to make rapidly, uh, it does not look like, you know, the Congress of the United States is going to, you know, build back better and the uh, Inflation Reduction Act are going to be it for a long time. So if we're not focusing our efforts on Congress and in Washington, then where do we go? 
well, we go to the state level because there's a lot of good stuff happening at the state level in places like California and, you know, and, or the city level. We have some great, you know, controllers like in, in, in New York um, who are disinvestment. You know, or, or, or you attack the, 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 the funders of the machine of the, um, the fossil fuel industry, which are the, the, the big four banks. And, um, uh, and, and our, you know, demographic, the boomers, you know, we, we've got the money. We've got the assets in these banks. They have to listen to us because we've, you know, we're the ones that um, can shut them down if we if we if, if enough of us get together and we can br- tear their brand down they're really working hard they spend like a thousand bucks per new credit card user trying to attract new people so tearing down the brand of chase and and wells fargo for the fact that they're trying that they're profiting off of burning down our forests um uh, and, and don't get your credit card with them. That does a lot of damage to them, you know? So, I mean, you know, we joke around. I mean, one of my goals is to make, is to get the, you know, I just really want to see the, uh, you know, Jamie Dimon, you know, break down in tears over what the hell he's done. And um, uh, on our uh, National Day of Action, which is coming up on the 21st. Of March. You know, uh, yes, uh, 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 coming right up. Um, that's what we aim to do, and um, that's shaping up to be one of the largest uh, climate action finance climate finance actions in in history, and it's really exciting to see. Let me let me say a couple of things to that. One is that um, if you've been hearing about uh, breaking up with your bank, moving your money. Um, and I think that movement kind of started uh, after the 08-09 financial crisis um, in terms of how they handled subprimes and so on and has continued ever since. And now, as we know, is, is a main thrust of Third Act. Um, if you've been meaning to do it, meaning to do it and so on, and you just haven't done it, um, don't just do it tomorrow. Um, you should what you can do if you align yourself with Third Act is do it at the same time millions of others are doing it so the message doesn't get lost. So in terms of the day of action 321-23, is it to do it that day? Is it to do it that week? What's I mean, if someone listening right now goes, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm finally going to do it. When should they do it? Yeah, do it that day. Don't do it now. Don't do it now. Sign, you could... You know, we, we, we just, the pledge is still active. You can go to thirdact.org and sign the pledge that says that you will do it if they don't divest. So go ahead and sign that pledge. And then on the 21st, that's the day that people can move their money and cut up their cards. Yeah. I mean, if that really happens at some significant level, it, it that will be news. And, and let me also say, the website we've mentioned, thirdactoneword.org, has a lot of resources. So it doesn't just say change banks. 
It has advice on sustainable investing. It has advice on how to choose a credit card. It has advice on how to break up with your bank and, and, and do it smoothly. Talk a little bit more, if you will, about the resources people can find. Um, you know, that there's the step of actually joining a local working group. I'm part of the Southern California Third Act Working Group, and there's probably a working group where you are, and if not, you can start it. But um, <laughs> if you're not quite there, but you, you want to learn, what, what are some of the resources available? Sure. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a great website called bank.green. So it's just B-A-N-K, you know, period green. And you can find the best uh, green banks in your area from that website. So that's a great resource. Uh, and, I, and I would definitely start there. Um, you know, we're not talking, there's other groups that are working on pensions and, 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 and uh, you know, your, your, your investments and things like that. Third Act is specifically honing in on your assets, your credit cards and your assets in these banks. Um, so just to want to make that, that but, but I'm saying, too. I, as I looked at the resources on the website, there, there is, um, there, there, there is sections that will help you with those other things as well. If only it means directing you to, uh, other resources, it, it does seem that someone can go to your website and, and, uh, learn a great deal about those other as those other aspects as oh. well. We have had, if you, uh, yeah, and depending on how you learn, if you learn by reading, you can go to the website and read about that, our toolkits. Uh, if you do better from like watching or listening, then there are videos that you can watch and read about how you can invest, where you can, uh, how you can move your money, um, what the what the key issues are, all that stuff. It's um, you know uh, a whole series of, of tools and resources. There. Right. There's webinars. There's 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 uh, articles. There's blogs. Um, there's actions. There's local groups. There's lot. There's lots of ways to learn. Lots of ways to get involved. Lots of ways to take your impulse to become part of this movement and make it a reality. Yeah. Um, Third Act has recently had, I think, its its first year birthday. What have you learned in the year? What what lessons have you learned? Mm. Yeah, we had it. So we had our first big national call, December seventh, twenty twenty one. Had our big birthday party, uh, uh, December seventh, twenty twenty two. And I would say that um, the biggest lesson that I've learned is to. Um, I try to keep expectations a little bit lower in terms of what I as an organizer can deliver to people, you know, and um, because the expectations of third act when we first started was that, I mean, we said, we're going to help you. I'm going to help you start these working groups and I'm going to help you organize groups in your area. Um, so email me and I can help you do that. And got in, you know, thousands of emails from people. And um, it was a fire hose of interest. It's a really good problem to have. Right, right. That's and, a good news, bad news, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So so what we learned is that the need to set up systems 
because uh, a lot of this is done digitally. And, um, and so setting up those digital systems that help to, um, that help us to respond to people's um, needs quicker. And mm-hmm. Sure. In other words, also, at, first, at first you don't know how much demand there's going to be for what you're offering. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And so we had just this uh, fire hose of interest. Right. And then, you know, and then our methodology to set up working groups, we had kind of a, a pretty good formula worked out. And then we had to make some course corrections on the way. It's, it's, the, life of any, still... it's the life of any startup, isn't it? Oh, boy, I'll say it. Yeah, and it got you know, and it's 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 not as intense as it was like January, February, twenty twenty two or twenty twenty. Yeah, it got really really intense there for a while, and uh, the um, but now that we have more staff and we have uh, more systems that are set up, um, things have been uh, uh, calming down a little bit. Um, internally, at least in my own internal, <laughs> I'm able to sleep better at night. Let me just put it that way. Very good. Because I'm not, we can respond better to these beautiful, talented third act leaders that say, hey, I want to help. I emailed you. I haven't heard from you in, sure. you know, in so long. You know, so... I just learned how crucial it is to respond to them in a in a in a in a, in a quick way uh, and to set up the systems to do that. Okay, let me That's ask you a couple thing. of other questions about the whole notion of Third Act. Though Third Act is specifically focused on mobilizing those sixty and over. It's been pretty clear to me from the start that to succeed, it's going to have to be part of a multi generational movement. How? are you guys dealing with that and how do how do you link up with younger people and other organizations um uh, in, in that in that uh, in in that aspect yeah you know, that's that's so crucial and i spent a lot of time thinking about this um you know one way in fact we're going to be develop we, we I, i'm developing a program uh, for our leaders on building strategic collaborations uh, at the local level with youth and frontline and uh, black indigenous people of color communities um, and, and, and a whole political education and, and uh, uh, training module around that. Because um, what happens, uh, you know, is a lot of time, you know, are, are we... The, the, the baby boomers, you know, we take up a lot of space. Let's just put it that way. When we come into these rooms where there's a lot of young people, a lot of times, well, you know, we're going to get the pronouns wrong. I sometimes get my own pronouns wrong. So, I mean, I just started using they, them about six months ago, and I, I get my own ones wrong, so I can't, like, uh, anyway, so we old people, we're going to get those things wrong sometimes, Um there's a certain set of skills and sensitivities and nuances to pulling together disparate generations. And I think it's crucial. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, what we at Third Act want to do is to um, bring new people into the movement, into the climate and democracy movement. So not people who are already involved, but new people who are over 60 
who then we can put in service to these youth organizations, you know? They're the ones, so if you're doing a big voter registration drive, we've got 50 volunteers at Third Act Nevada, put us to work. Because the, it, it still is the case that most of the, or a lot of the, uh, the, the most active uh, change organizations, um, when they mobilize, are mobilizing young people. I think that's probably the case, right? It has to do with them being in college. It has to do with them not being, not having quite the same responsibilities and those sorts of things. When I uh, laid out my yeah. mission in, in the introduction, Bob, and I said, you know, the various things, strategy, funding, action on the streets and so on, I can see that there's different people in different groups that are going to be able to supply those different things, but the combination of all of them is what's needed. Yeah, and that's the uh, um, that's also, you know, and I don't know if we need, you know, like we can't like come in as third actors and wag our fingers about strategy to the young folks like the sunrise or things like that. I think what we have to do is come in there and uh, in, in a supporting role mm -hmm. and 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 not to interrogate those strategies as much as be supportive in work that they're already doing the danger that we boomers have and that's where <laughs> okay boomer came up was yeah, that we course. do a lot of finger wagging you know yeah. we do <laughs> why in, why in that my puts... in my day we oh my god yeah <laughs> and, but, but, but you, know, you know i i also wonder whether you know i think probably at its best it's a kind of mysterious alchemy because i i, I think you know, one could end up not offering enough. You know, I mean, it's you get what I'm saying. I think it's yeah, it's very subtle. What what I mean, someone you know who you, you're in a group that's that's fully energized and doing things, and I'm just suggesting, and someone who's was an organizer in their youth remembers some lessons. Well, that's helpful. But it's how you do it and, and, and how it how it feels and all of those sorts of things, which goes back in a way to some of that stuff we talked up earlier about the culture and the culture being about relationships, that it's not about what you know, uh, or just what you know or what you've experienced, but it's about the relationships you're building in that moment. Right. And our leaders, when they go through our our you know become part of third act are steeped in that kind of value and in that kind of a culture so that when it does come time to standing with youth communities we're we're, we're able to to do that in a good way as opposed to in a you know paternalistic way or right right here's right. how to do it right no um, i think one of the things that we i hated hearing the most is a young organizer when I was like 24, I'd yeah. always hear my mentors were always 10 years older than me. Sure. So they were the ones that were active in the 60s. The thing they'd always say was in the 60s, <laughs> dot, dot, we did, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah. I got so sick and tired of hearing that. Although now I really love to hear more about it because, I'm, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I understand. Well, yeah, I, I even think, yes, the ability to hear that changes over time, too. You're right. Uh, you know, You're in so the young right. person, as they mature, they go, oh, wait a minute. You know, yep. I mean, maybe they had something, maybe, you know, that sort of thing. We've got about um, five more minutes. Um, lay out a 
again so that people get it clear. Um, if you're new, if you're a listener, and you are new to the notion of third act, and specifically the day of action, uh, March 21st, lay out what what steps they can take to uh, get involved and make a difference. Beautiful. Go to thirdact.org and sign up on our page for our National Day of Action. And on that uh, page, you can uh, do a couple things. One, you can find an action that's near you. There's a map that shows all the 70 plus actions in the 40 states that we are, the 24 states that we have so far. Um, or you can create your own action and, 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 and put a dot on the map and say, I wanna do an action here. Our idea about this is we're not looking for these big bi-coastal, you know, a million people in New York or whatever. We're looking for more um, decentralized actions spread out all across this big, beautiful country. And every community has at least one of these banks in it. So there's a place, there's absolutely room for everybody to, to get involved here. Okay. So now, and what about these local working groups? So one thing is I go to the website. I, I, I've, I've, list, I've heard this. I go to the website and I uh, take the pledge. What yeah. about the local working groups? Are, are they all, will I click my location and find out whether there is one and then where, who to reach and all of that sort of thing? Yeah. You, if you, there's a, a big black button that says get involved on our website and you can either, you know, sign up for an email to take action. One of the options is join a working group. And if you join a working group, it'll take you to a map. And we have working groups across the country that are formed or in formation in these geographic areas. So Third Act Southern California, Third Act Bay Area, Third Act Sacramento, Third Act Nevada. And by affinity, so third act lawyers, oh, okay. third act, um, yeah, and and, 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 and and third act creative. A lot of artists coming now to, to third act and forming a working group, which is really exciting. And you guys have had a, uh, a an event that was linking art and activism. Yeah, we did. We did a. Um, in fact, art is a huge part of our National Day of Action. Um, and and song and creativity and so we did a big art build in the Bay Area in Richmond at David Solnit who's a you know the, the premier climate arts activist that I met at the test site 30 years ago and oh, that's uh, so great. did it yeah did a giant uh, had people there from all over the country uh, third act elders learning how to create street art and also learning songs and bringing song back into our into our spaces and it was really liberating and, and fun so if i'm if i'm going there and I, okay i take the pledge i read about the march 21st and now i go do i do i get myself involved in a working group or is that going to ask too much of me what mm -hmm. how, do, how does that work in terms of when you sign up what are you signing up for how how, how diverse can your contribution be relative to someone else's so you can join a working group, whether you have an hour a year or an hour a day. 
the idea is absolutely everyone has a role to play at third act and in these working groups and the way that the working groups are structured invites people to use the talents and the what makes their hearts sing sure and inject that into the working group um the challenge is to make sure that everything's in alignment, though, because we don't want to just have a lot of noise out there. People, this group doing a big vegan dinner, this group doing a, I'm going to, you know, cut down on methane, you know, grazing, you know, in Elko, Nevada, and this group doing something else. We really need everybody to be aligned or it'll be like one hand clapping. And so that's why fealty to the third act mission of climate finance and democracy within these working groups is also real crucial. Okay. And let me just say, the reason that, that he mentions uh, climate ad activism and, and democracy is that those are the first two big issues. As I said, it's not strictly just climate, but we realize that democracy is in danger. Democracy needs support, expansion, uh, energy, and so on. So it's both of those are so far the focuses of it. You can learn more about Third Act and their March 21st day of action to stop continued investment of fossil fuels at thirdactoneword.org. For this conversation and many other interviews and articles to join me in pursuit of a world that just might work, go to terrencemcnally.net, T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E-M-C-N-A-L-L-Y.net, or a world that just might work.com. They're the same website. If you want to receive my weekly email announcement telling you who's going to be on what we're going to talk about and usually links to probably 10 articles to kind of flesh out the conversation, uh, you can sign up at my site or you can email me at T-E-McNally, T-E-M-C-N-A-L-L-Y at Mac, M-A-C.com. You can also subscribe and listen to the Freeform podcast at Apple Podcasts and most podcast sites. You can find years of podcasts at my site or those others. Uh, listen anytime, anywhere. Michael Lewis, Naomi Klein, Bill McKibben, Van Jones, Connie Rice, Greg Boyle, George Packer. You can also follow me on Twitter, at McNally Terrence. Thanks to Keanu Williams in production, George Vassilopoulos at Progressive Voices, and most of all to you, my listeners, please share this podcast widely. Thank you, Bob Fulkerson. Well, thank you, Terrence. It was a real pleasure today. Keep up your good work. Nine one one. What's your emergency? America's healthcare system is broken, and people are dying. Welcome to Code Whack, where we shine a light on America's callous healthcare system, how it hurts us, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Brenda Gazar. This time on Code Whack. What's the story behind the EMTALA Patient Protection Law of 1986, which requires hospitals to stabilize or treat patients who are in a health emergency regardless of their insurance status or ability to pay? What has this law done for patients, and what does it mean for hospitals? To find out, we spoke to Dr. David Himmelstein, a distinguished professor of public health at CUNY's Hunter College and a lecturer in medicine at Harvard Medical School. Well, I was a resident of the public hospital in Oakland, California, along with many other residents we were disgusted at uh, the mistreatment of our patients by private hospitals that were afraid they were going to lose money if they took care of uninsured people. So they 
routinely shoved patients who were coming to their emergency rooms who didn't have insurance into ambulances to send them to us at the public hospitals. And many of them were clearly worse off because of often long ambulance rides when they were gravely ill. So the group of us at the public hospital at that time decided to document what we were seeing on a routine basis and really found that uh, there was, when we looked at it systematically, a lot of harm being done to our patients. Get the full Code Wax story on ProgressiveVoices.com and on the PV app. Catch all our episodes by subscribing to Code Wack wherever you find your podcasts. This podcast is powered by Heal California, a nonprofit that uplifts the voices of those fighting for healthcare reform around the country. Until next time, stay healthy.